0: All right, well, welcome everybody. It's April 30th, and it's Thursday, it's one o'clock. It's time for our weekly school leader community call. My name is Tom Miller, if we've never met before. Thank you so much for investing in us and uh, being on this call with us, or whether you're listening to it live or archived, I hope you're having a beautiful day, wherever you are, being present and uh, staying out of your zoom uh, for, you know, no more than four hours a day. That's your new rule, everybody. You got to figure that out. No more than four hours of zoom a day, or your brain is going to turn to mush. So I'm with me, as always, with is my uh, teaching and business partner, Katie and We got Rhonda Dillingham from the association. Rhonda, how, how are you today?
1: I'm great. Awesome. I hope everybody so knows nice it. Here.
0: You always look so, you know, dolled up for these things. Rhonda, how do you do it? Like, how do you just get yourself in such a good place here? You got your... <laughs> well, it, it's,
1: it's either this or... My picture, <laughs> there's
0: uh, no in between. So <laughs> there we go. my picture looks like I'm yelling at somebody. I should probably change it. We got so many great school leaders here. I know Acadia is going to be hopping in to support us, um, and I think Rhonda, your um, colleague, is also coming on. And wherever you're joining us from, we're just excited to be with you today. So we would love, Katie, I want to make sure I get the question right. We would love. Go ahead and ask him the question that we wanted to ask him.
2: Well, that's what I'm trying to think. 8 o'clock, 8.30 oh is a long goodness. time All ago, right. Tom. <laughs>
0: what, what have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about yourself oh, yes. during COVID-19? What have you learned about yourself, right? Someone yeah, thinking
2: a- about something that you want to carry forward. It's a positive thing. That's right.
0: What new habits are you learning? What habits are you going to need to unlearn? Right? <clears throat> when you finally do get to go back to work every day in a different uh, fashion. Maybe you're loving the remote way of communicating. Maybe you're not. One of my friends told me last night that they have pretty much come to realize that they really don't like other people because they're perfectly fine not being able to be with other people. So I said, you should probably find an online therapist for that one. So that's not something I'm gonna talk to you about. So what have you learned about yourself? So go ahead and throw it in the chat box. And then we're gonna start diving into some questions here. Uh, for you, we're going to have a legislative and a regulatory update as best as possible. We're going to dive into our uh, return to school committee, our action teams. I already heard from a couple of leaders that you've already started to kick this off. So I, so we want to hear about your wins. What you know, what have started to realize? John is going to keep on uh, keeping us entertained about how he's going to graduate his senior. So. Uh, There's all sorts of stuff in here. So where did, where would you all like to start? Because this is your time, Rhonda. You want to you want to kick us off with some updates so we can get some clarity on these you know Senate bills and things that are flying around for us. Okay. So <laughs> I did so I did drop the link to Senate Bill Seven Hundred Four that everybody was talking about, and Rhonda has dropped the link to the committee that's in the House right now. It's at Twelve Fifty Six. Has got Rhonda's link, and Twelve Fifty Six a little bit of. Above it is my link, so if you want to hop in there. So go ahead, Rhonda, you've got
3: the floor.
1: All right, great. Well, I'm Rhonda Dillingham, Executive Director of the Carolina Association for Public Charter Schools, and it is my pleasure to serve you all every day. Uh, I wanted to discuss a, a, a few things. First, I really believe there needs to be some clarity between these two bills that are floating out there right now. We have Senate Bill 704, that went to the Senate floor yesterday and was uh, approved. And we also have House Bill 1035. They are similar in a lot of ways, but they do have differences as well. And to add to this discussion is my expert, and she provides all of our legislative updates in the emails that I send you all every day. That's my friend Amanda Donovan. She is our government relations analyst, one of them that we have contracted through with the association. And Amanda is from Kilpatrick Townsend Law Firm out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Amanda does a lot of great work for me and for our charter schools in the state. And I'd like for Amanda to talk a little bit about these two bills. And I might jump in there a little bit just to add a little clarity. So Amanda, you ready?
4: I'm ready, thanks Rhonda. Can everyone hear me okay? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, So just to give a little background and context on where the legislature stands right now, as Rhonda mentioned, the Senate rolled out their large COVID proposal, Senate Bill 704. It includes policy and funding for all areas um, of the COVID response, including education. And that did pass last night at about 7.30 on the Senate floor and has been sent over to the House. And the House took things a little bit differently. Um, They had four separate policy bills, including one for education. And then they had one large appropriation bill. And they sent those bills through their respective committees. And yesterday in the House Rules Committee, they put all of those bills into one large Back in so that they now have one single bill that they're dealing with like the senate did and so the bill they're looking at now that is now house bill 1043 that has all of the covid provisions in it including education and they are actually debating that on the floor as we speak um but it's expected to pass this afternoon and Um, so kind of going into some of the specifics regarding education, the Senate bill originally included, um, this whole remote instruction plan provision, um, for the 2020-2021 school year. And the House originally did not include that in their bill. And in the House Rules Committee yesterday afternoon, the House amended their bill to include the exact same language that the Senate passed. So sort of inside baseball, that indicates that the House and the Senate have agreed upon that language. So we expect the overall concept of this remote instruction plan to remain in whatever final piece of legislation is passed by the legislature. Um, And, it's let's see let me i'm trying to pull the bill up right now because i know there is um let's see here sorry just making sure I, i don't misspeak here when i'm saying this um so i and rhonda you know this better than i do so it requires that public school units adopt a calendar that includes 190 days of instruction including five remote days and then there's another section below that regarding the school calendar and the opening and closing dates for the 2020-21 school year. I believe they set it at August 17th and June 11th. And when we were looking at the details of that language, it's my understanding that the 190 days of remote days, they specify that as public school units, applying to public school units. and public school units as defined by session law would include charter schools. And then in the other provision that deals with the opening and closing dates, they define that as local school administrative units. So that's differing than public school units, thinking that charters wouldn't apply as far as the starting and opening dates. Rhonda, did I frame that correctly? Is that?
1: Yes. Yes. So the 190 days minimum applies to everyone. Then as far as the calendar goes, if you look at those two bills, they're divided into two sections. The first one says that there will be 190 um, school days for public school units. And what Amanda was referring to is a session law that um, was in 2019 that defined what a public school unit is. Essentially, it says that a public school unit could be a charter school, a regional school, a district school, uh, and then in these particular bills we're referring to public school units, that is specifically referring to charter schools. And so it, it um, gives you the flexibility that you've always had, as long as you have 190 school days in your calendar. The, provision for uh, schools starting on August 17th and ending by June 11th, that only applies to district schools. So I hope that added some clarity. And that part is referred to as local school administrative units. So it, do, it divides out those two, um, those two terms.
0: Hey, Rhonda, if a charter school leader wanted to get down in the weeds of all this stuff, like what's, you know, besides the links that we uh, put up, what's just the easiest way for them to, you know, be able to navigate what's, you know, coming or, or is it just on your daily emails, maybe the best way to just go there and they can have their own access because some folks like to get really deep and read it.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll continue to have our uh, legislative updates referring us and specifically about these bills um, because Amanda did uh, reference that they are very similar, which tells us that the two houses of our General Assembly tend to agree. One difference that I noted between these two bills, however, is that Senate Bill 704, uh, requires the remote learning plan to be uh, due by June 30th. The House bill uh, extends that out to July, July 20th. And I know when I was speaking with some school leaders yesterday, uh, they were concerned about June 30th being too soon because, and I get this, I totally I, I agree with you, you're gonna need some time to digest everything that you've gone through with this whole remote learning business. You're gonna to need to talk with your stakeholders, survey them, gather feedback. And it, you know if we're really gonna do a good job of drafting a remote plan that you'll actually want to use and it won't just be busy work then you'll need to be able to actually put thought and effort into that so i appreciate how the house bill did extend that date to july 20th
4: and rhonda i'll interject really fast if you don't mind this is amanda donovan um i will say that the senate it was a concern in the senate and i will have to go back and check what passed on the floor, but that was brought to their attention as well. So I think that both of them will agree with the extended um, timeline to submit that report to July. I think it was an understanding that it was a little tight timeline in June. So I believe that it will be extended to July 20th and whatever um, final legislation comes out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So
2: Rhonda, it looks like we have quite a few questions about the, the calendar, you know, the, does it, you know, like Stephen Gay says, does bill break down 185 down or the 1025 and we add the five face-to-face, can you offer any clarity for folks with the calendar?
1: Yeah, um, I'm looking at the bill right now and it says that, each public school unit shall adopt a calendar that includes 190 days of instruction, 185 days or 1,025 hours of instruction and that include five remote instruction days. So that's where they come up with the 190. And, and there's, Oh, go ahead. Uh, and I saw somebody had a question about um, why are they adding the days? I mean, I can't get in the head of a legislator, but if I had to guess, it would be because they know that you're going to need more time with students than, than you, you know, you typically do because of all the deficits. Uh, But again, you know, that would just be a guess.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: So, you know, just a thought here, you give me like a yes in a chat box if you've ever taken an Uber, right? Or you've ever booked a room at an Airbnb or just something, you know, where you've had like Uber, just, you know, crazy things like, look.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Everybody out you know, there's there.
0: It's <laughs> for you to just, you know, design, right? So just maybe not get too worried about why they're asking it, just how can you just make it better for your population of kids anyway? You all want to serve your kids. You wouldn't be doing this job otherwise, right? So you can, as, you know, Greg, you know, pointed out, there is no definition of what a day looks like right now. So create your days, you know, design to the edge. You could start school. It seems like, you know, July 7th, if you wanted to, you could call whatever you want. There was a coaching call I was on earlier and, and, you know, it was so great because I think this you know person helped me more than maybe I helped them, but <clears throat> We talked about, like, if you're really worried about enrollment, what if you just turned your school into a way to instruct anybody in the community who wanted to be and you Just paid a couple teachers to just build some online remote classes and just started getting everybody in there, moving them to a freemium to premium and just say, hey, if you want to come to our school, if you've enjoyed the education that we gave you for free over this time, why don't you enroll, right? There's a way to enroll. So there's just ways to work around this. Do 200 and some days if you want. You know, 20 days is, is this online remote learning. You can create anything you want and make it happen. You know, the, the best things that have occurred in life have come out of disruption. And you guys were built for this. We talked about this in early March. You were built, you were built to do this fast. As you can tell, most of the decisions are being made without you in mind. So create, you know, design to the edge of whatever it is, bless you, Erica, you know, design to the edge, right? So we're going to talk about that later, but just keep on thinking, I want you to put in the chat box, what types of questions do you need answered, right? Or what, you know, questions are you asking in your head? Because put them in the chat box and we're going to begin trying to create that edge for you and get the best answers we can. We've already started to uh, collect some of this information to help you uh, create your plan, regardless of what law is passed and what words, you know, public school units and this unit, whatever else. The purpose of charter schools, right? Remember what they were, the, the number one, if you've ever read the charter school law, there's six managing purposes of a charter school. And number three is to encourage the use of different and innovative teaching methods. So do it, right? Uh, Provide parents and students with expanded choices and types of educational opportunities that are available within the public school system. So do it. Do it first. Do it faster. And hold the schools established under this article accountable for meeting measurable student achievement results. You know you're going to need more time with your kids to be able to get the results. So that's probably what legislation has in mind. And they're just, you know, starting to help you create the box. So, but use your advocacy to be able to help you get a better solution But stop thinking what can we do and start thinking what could we do. I'll get off my soapbox. All right. What else is going on in there, Kate? I see there's some lots of really great stuff here. There are lots of great questions in here. Hold on. Alan's a people person, and this is killing him. So, Alan, just look to your left. You got Mary (laughs) to your left. If you look up, I see Keisha is right there above you. So, say hi. There's some people around you, Alan. All right. Go for it. Keep going.
2: (laughs) So there's just a lot of questions about, uh, you know, how this calendar is going to work and about, you know, what's gonna constitute a remote learning day. And we have Greg Sinders who's, you know, put in some great resources for everybody to be aware of that, you know, the Friday Institute and NCDPI issued Essentials of Remote Learning Plans. So I was just on there, um, you know, looking for what that plan would constitute, but that'll give you some idea of what NCDPI is, how they're defining the remote learning plan and they've also conducted a remote learning survey. So once those results are out, you'll be getting some better guidance on what remote learning can constitute. But a couple questions about these remote learning days, you know, we had someone saying, you know, can you count your teacher work days as remote learning days? You know, is anybody aware of the answer to that question? Why not? I, yeah I haven't seen language to I think the it says it in
5: the legislation oh, I think it know. actually says in the legislation that remote learning remote learning days can count as teacher work days um, yeah I, I'll and I, for I, that. I was
1: Get out there
5: I was also putting I I'm and I'm curious what people are thinking about this like I'm interested in pushing for a, a permanent change in how we calculate ADM for charters at this point like why are we this this first 20 days is so I mean it doesn't even make sense in so many ways and if districts are get to do the best one of two out of the first two months why should charters not be able to do the exact same thing and in fact districts you could argue districts it would be beneficial to because if we have kids that come to our school and leave you know we don't get we don't count you know it would kind of eliminate that. Oh, you're keeping, you're stacking the deck in the first 20 days and then you're pushing kids out the door, that kind of argument. Um, So I wonder if this could be an opportunity to, to permanently push for a change. And I I don't know if anyone on the call, Greg or someone knows, is that in, is that in legislation? Um, Something I definitely want to talk to Steven about, Stephen Walker, but you know, uh, if there's ever a chance an opportunity to change it, it would be now because I, I think we we are at a unique risk as we look at the um, that first twenty day count model uh, because what if something happens you know what if parents are just skittish about sending their kids to school because there's another uptick in case, cases et cetera et cetera there's all these reasons why that first twenty days could not be indicative of what our full enrollment is in a way that is uh more more significantly variant than it's been in the past
0: that's the way to think alex i like it right let's uh, create it and i found it's on page 17 and i posted it it says the plan may include variances for staff expectations when remote instruction days are also used as teacher work days so so
2: there is some other there are some other questions about funding Mark Tracy was saying, we're hearing that we could get up to a 5% reduction. So I'd love to hear if people have ideas on how to amend their budget in the event that they they might have increased expenses and a 5% reduction in their budget.
6: Hey, Katie, this is Greg. And kind of to follow up on Alex's uh, comment uh, on the ADM, Rhonda, I do think from a legislative committee standpoint, we need to look at that. I don't like to guess, but I seem to remember that is in law, Alex, and may require a legislative change. You know, we can talk to Alexis about that and get, get some clarification. Um, regarding the funding, and hey, I may be wrong on this, but this, this is my, my ideas relative to funding. We're seeing so much money being poured in as a result of this COVID situation that I think our funding will be flat for the um, 19-20 school year. I think the legislature is going to do all they can when they come back in July to hold the line on education funding. Remember, it's an election year. Um, I think years beyond that, I think is anybody's guess. Uh, Local funding, man, there's gonna be a ton of pressure. I mean, Wake County, for example, came out and asked for a $29 million (laughs) increase. The chairman of the um, county commissioners said, nice ass, but I don't see how we're going to have the money to do it. So, you know, I think that our funding will be stable, maybe a little higher for next year, just because all this supplemental funding, but the waterfall after that's going to be tough. I mean, remember 2008. I I think it's fair to, to compare, uh, but that's just my two cents.
2: Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. You know, as we talk to uh, the finance partners out there, you know, they're just asking folks to be conservative and to develop budgets, you know, whether 95% of this year, 90% of this year, and then best case scenario, 100% of this year, you know, so I'll put the question out there, you know, how are you guys determining where, you know, where you're going to cut, make the cuts? And, you know, how have you gotten some cost savings? I'd love for you to share your ideas in the chat or to jump on the call. Looks like everyone's struggling with the same thing. So
3: we have cuts cuts, well, the distribution. Our, oh, our, staff, our staff, we had several part-time people contracted, to be certain. And um, our full-time staff has stepped up to the plate and says, we'll absorb some of that. We'll absorb some of the, like, the math lab. Or we'll absorb and we'll take turns doing the math lab. Or we'll take turns doing the, the reading lab. So." our teachers um, are long that have longevity that have been there a while are willing to step up and fill in some of those places that we were having to contract services. So that has been, we've been able to save on the budget about 7% by teachers saying, you know, we'll take on more. Mm, That's great. I love that. You know, your team's coming together for you.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you know, Katie, I don't know if Joya Warner's on with us the other day, but I know she told a story just a couple weeks ago about how her whole staff came together and made a decision as a staff that we will just all stay, you know, frozen, right, or reduced by a certain percentage, you know, just in case the worst happens to keep our all people, right? You know, a lot of you have uh, reserve funds, and I'll just put the question out there. What are you using them for? Like, maybe this is the time that you're going to, you know, you're just going to have to dive into it. Uh, you know, keep your, you know, 30 days that you need to decide. But if you don't have a necessary plan for your reserve funds, uh, this is what they're for. They're for emergencies. And so this year could be an emergency if you want to, you know, make sure. And, you know, there's, there will be opportunity. There's, you know, going to be cash infusions in certain places. So You just need to be aware of them, whether they're, you know, through grants. Um, You know, Alexa said that there will be funding, but if you didn't hear her tone change, apply for them as fast as possible, right? So having somebody who is who is just really in tune to that, and that's, you know, uh, staying close to, you know, folks who are in, in the know, so you can run your school and and, and really uh, collaborate, whether it's on these calls, and maybe that's somebody we could bring in is, you know, someone to help with, you know, expertise with uh, budgeting. There's a lot of great leaders that are great here at it, but This is a time for you to look at your own current expenses and and trim some programs that may have had an elephant tied to them. You just may have to kill some things that have been sitting around for a while that just aren't getting you the results that you need and this might be the reason to do it.
1: Tom, Amanda um, just got an update on the House bill. Amanda, can you share that please?
4: Sure, so things are moving very quickly at the General Assembly today. The House has already passed their version of the full COVID bill on the floor. And typically they'll cross over from one chamber to another. One chamber will vote not to concur and they'll go into what's called a conference committee where both of the chambers will negotiate their differences and they'll bring a full conference report back to both chambers for an up or down vote. And I'm hearing that they are wanting to get this taken care of quickly because most of the discrepancies between the bills Is in the funding portions and so they've generally funded the same things and have the same policy provisions it's just a matter of who's getting what and how much so I'm hearing that they are going to do what's called a proposed committee substitute for one of the bills and they're probably going to vote on it either tonight or early tomorrow morning but they're talking about trying to get it voted on tonight so that the General Assembly can get out of town so they are moving very quickly on uh things that are happening so appropriations chairs from both chambers are currently negotiating um what the final bill is going to look like but things are are moving very very quickly down there thanks for that amanda
7: It was there Tom. Was, i was gonna oh yeah go ahead, go ahead tom this is ted from Rivard, and i was just gonna say that i in uh, thinking about a 5% reduction, um, that's, I mean, that's for us, that's a $200,000 hit. And so, you know, we are, that it, that's absolutely something I'm going to be going to the board to say, just be prepared for this. And those funds that we have, um, we might have to put some of the building projects that we, that we thought that we were going to do on hold for a little while, because that's really not something that you can just, uh, that you can just absorb. Um, however, on the flip side, I saw someone put into the chat box that we're we're adding four students to our eighth grade um just to try and get more numbers up. And so I agree with Alex um in terms of how are we calculating ADM? And I love that idea of uh the remote learning days before school starts. And so how do you count students in your membership? Because we already do a jumpstart program for our kindergartners that lasts five days, and that was always done um that was always done in person but now we could add an in-person and a re- remote option to that for all grade levels so would we be able to count some of those students as being a part of our number or as you think about those four quadrants that Setzer had out um you know I think uh, I think we called it iLearning that was the one where it's virtual and staggered so could we have students who are on our roster who are 100% virtually enrolled, and if we can, then we can increase the number of students that we we have very easily within our building. So, right, yeah, um, Ted, and that's, just trying to think about that. No,
0: nope, that's really good. So, Ted's uh, talking about you know uh, the inner circle mastermind that we have um, with some principals, and we had brought in an expert to really get us to uh, think about that. So, this is where we're talking about starting from the left, right? We need to know what what could we do, right? What's in the Uh, parameters. So what I'm going to do over the next week is we're going to be having experts who lead virtual schools and blended schools come in on this call and tell you how they do it. And we're going to start to gather all those, you know, policies and procedures, and we're going to drop them into our, you know, resource uh, Google Drive. So then you could start to think of and, you know, look to see how that could be possible and plan. And then in the meantime, like these laws are already in place and they're already occurring. Um, and, and so what we just got to have to say is, you know, it's already happening at NCVPS or at the NCBS, whatever the virtual charter schools, called. Uh, uh, right. So there are processes already in place to be able to do this. And Ted, to go back to another question you asked me before in charter amendments, it says you got to, you only need to request amendment if you're changing curriculum, not if you're changing your education plan. So, okay you know uh this is just something we have to know what what can we do right or what could we do and then and then you know go from there so this is the work that we're doing for you on the back end to be able to help you create your border you stretch your border as far as you want and i'm going to tell you you're given a mile take a mile don't stop you know taking inches like If I hear one person say that they have to align their calendar to spring break because that's the same that the district does, I'm going to lose it, everybody, and I'm just going to hit the end button. We're done with this conversation. Don't don't
2: lose it, Tom. Don't lose it. Uh, I did have a question because I'm looking at the, the 704 bill, and it says no remote instruction day shall be scheduled prior to August 24th, and I wanted to know if that applied
1: to charter schools. If it says local school administrative unit, no.
2: I don't see that language there but I just wanted because Ted had brought up the point that maybe he could do remote instruction days prior to the start of school and I remember that language in there so it's just um, it's just it's right in there where it talks about uh, teacher work days being counted as remote learning days.
6: Rhonda, I agree with you. The, you. You've got to separate that bill into the two parts and Rhonda's done a good job of that relative to the the calendar. Um, the language you're referring to, if I recall Bill right, Katie, is under the LEA portion.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so, um, but Again, like Amanda said earlier, everything is moving so quickly. And and, I mean, these are huge bills, everybody. So uh, if you don't mind, extend a little bit of grace and let me look for that and I'll uh, get you an answer.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, Katie, there was a question. I don't know if we ever went back to it. Erica had a really good question about the calendar. I want to make sure we don't lose it. She, she asked, "Do off, do?" it looks like charter schools still have the option of 1,025 or the 190, right? Or, or you know, 185 plus the five days. So what right. we just have to do is, you know, define what a day is, right? And it could just be your average, whatever, how many days. And that's how many hours you would add to the end. Is that, is that our current interpretation of what that may be? So instead of a thousand twenty five hours, it's a thousand fifty hours because of remote days five hours long
6: so the the way it looks in the bill right now is a thousand twenty five plus five, and then your analogy, Tom, if you're given a mile, take a mile mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think it's up to define it. you know the right. tough thing it's a local I, the tough thing Rhonda and I have been talking about relative to the Senate bill and the remote learning plan, uh, there's great resources, but when you look.
0: Just muted yourself, Greg, and, or the computer muted you. I don't know. It wasn't me. All
6: right. uh, (laughs) so if you look at the reporting requirements in that bill, there's going to be, um, processes and procedures that you need to set up. And it's attempts by the General Assembly to get data on how much time students are engaged in a remote learning day. And so that's one of the things they're asking you to to capture is what tools are you using, how much time are kids engaged, and things like that. So I think we've got the, I think we've got the leeway to go the full mile, maybe a mile and a tenth even, Tom, in defining to what that day is, That's you funny. know.
0: And Andrew Harris, who's wicked smart, if you guys don't know Andrew, he has a really good point in here. This is something I've been uh, diving into, but he asked a question, what if the parents don't want the kids to come back, right? So this mm-hmm. is something, right, you know, so I've asked Eric uh, Grunden at Research Triangle High School, I don't know if he's on, but to, you know, maybe help us out. They do have some students in homebound that you know participate through the remote learning Um, so it's about looking at your policies look about what you can do that could be uh you know part right we need to pull that student enrollment not student enrollment the student handbook right the student what's it called the student like attendance handbook and be looking at all those you know aspects how do we do some of this Uh, and then ask that ask that question about hey look, we've got parents and if we have some sort of verification that they have said we're not coming and but we have this remote learning because all of you should moving forward have a remote learning plan like forever uh, that this is how you know students could participate. Um, and in the long run, maybe you'll become a blended learning school and be able to put more kids in your building without having to build more buildings. Because wasn't that building um, really nice yeah. that they showed on the high school, um, right? That was a district school. that.
3: Yeah,
8: I don't see Eric on the call, but I can speak a little to RTHS because that's that's my Uh, old uh, stomping uh, grounds. So they designed after about the second year of opening as a fully flipped school designed built in digital learning days and they were used mostly for intervention. So we'd have days where students, maybe about once or twice a quarter, where students who were completely caught up in their work could have a digital work from home day. And then we brought in the kids who needed extra assistance to do some intensive intervention with them. So they had already built in what it looked like to be in attendance for digital learning. And then they started using it for snow day makeups and all of that stuff. So they were were a little bit ahead of the curve thinking about all the ways that you could use remote learning and still count as attendance and and quality learning.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Deb. Yeah. It's, it's, and you know, Lisa Gordon-Stell who's always really good at holding me accountable. She says, don't forget that there's rules governing homebound. i am just say, let's just create another category, Lisa, but I know Lisa's got some updated stuff she wants to share from a legal aspect too. Are you able to, to talk to us, Lisa, about just stuff you want, you know, folks to keep in the forefront?
9: No, I just think everyone needs to, and I think people are realizing this is a little bit of the wild west, and we have some guidance, but we don't know sort of where the boundaries of of the envelope that we can push. And I think we should push, but um, you know, once we get to that edge, we're going to get to we're going to need to get some clarity from our regulators. Um, I don't think a school that is not virtual could change to virtual. When everyone else is in physical session without some pushback, so I, I think we we there should be absolute you know preparation and creativity, but you know be aware that we they will be scrutinized, and we don't have all the answers at this point.
10: Yep. Tom, may I ask the question We have all these bright minds together? I wonder has anybody done something similar to what? we've done we're a small school but i'm already trying to set up the classroom to see how many i can physically get in a room and still meet the cdc guidelines as they are as of today well it turns out that i cannot get any more than six in a classroom and still have six feet around them and only before if we have the permit board or something on this side. So it's very limited, but we could start doing that for those children that need remediation or special education children, or those that we know that we could trust the child not to go over and get in another child's space. This is a lot like she just said, the wild, wild west, but we're thinking about what kind of trash cans to buy so that everybody could have lunch in their own area and still be safe you know even looking at this machine that they have where you come in and where you know you take the temperatures but this machine does it for you you stand up put your hands on it if i was a title one school i'd be buying that tomorrow i think it's the greatest thing i've seen you just stand up and put your hands and it tells you what your temperature is then you could hand out a mask or do all of those things. But again, it depends on, I guess, your community and the equity piece. It's very challenging, but has anybody thought about the physical room or or what you would do? I thought, well, if you had them come in on Monday and if you had a room big enough to do 10 kids, then on Tuesday, you could let it air out, or do your uh, sanitizing, or whatever. Do it at night, and then on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you could have seen the whole class at least once physically, and then the rest of the time they could be doing it remotely. But again, that all ties back to that ADM. How do you, how do you work those things? And until we know what COVID nineteen is going to do. I mean, if, if the governor says you can't have school period, we don't have a choice, right? But if he gives some leeway there and says you can do it up to 10 children, then how does that affect us money-wise? You right. do not have to have a teacher for every 18 kids anymore. You can have one teacher that teaches 36 kids easily. No, I mean, you can't do that if it's remote.
0: Mary, what's the uh, device that you're uh, talking about? Like, what's it called or what's the vendor? If you can. I
10: don't know. I saw it on television. I it was it a, a, somebody's designed this. Uh, it's it was like a late like night, night infomercial.
0: Mary was on. All right. <laughs>
10: but it takes your temperature, you know, because we're spending a lot of time now taking everybody's temperature, asking those five questions. Have you, you know, gone out of the state? Da-da-da-da-da. It takes a lot of time to do that. And it takes about three, our nurse, our receptionist, I mean, they're working full time filling all that out. And if you had the machine that did it for you, it would just be done and then you, you know, right now they have to go to the door and ask these questions before they'll let somebody in the building. Yeah. But if we have this little machine.
0: Cyber- yep, I think What you know, Mary's saying is really important and this is why we need to do this work now. This is why I just added a slide into your return to school committee about this because the more we can say ahead of time these are why we need these waivers because we can't do it right we're not going to be able to physically do it because we don't have you know the same space or whatever our you know local and that that's going to help us right but if you don't start thinking that through and making those plans now it's going to be too late by the time we get there and if any of you so most of you aren't old enough to remember kodak you may remember kodak <laughs> remember remember right kodak was the you know they had the first digital camera but they didn't think it was ever going to last where's kodak now everybody bankrupt bankrupt (laughs) that's right right so you either evolve or you go bankrupt so start working through this plan um if you don't have access to it i'll put the link up again here it's in that google drive but there are some questions that i want i want you to help us you know as we help you design to the edge what information do you need to create your edge in terms of operations academics regulation enrollment calendar like we've captured a few here and what stakeholders you need to bring in you know your parents your vendors your you know your experts who have maybe handled you know, working through crisis or you know situations like this, or you know, do, you know, help help schools redesign because maybe you know Lisa's right. You can't just turn into a virtual school, but maybe down the road you do become one, right? Maybe we we use this information and and you know legislation to help us create you know blended learning environments for uh, charter schools. Why not? District schools are doing them already. Why couldn't we do it? We're yeah. we're supposed to be ones uh, paving the innovative way, right? We don't have to do things the way that the district does. So. Um,
2: I have a couple of things, Tom. Go for it. So, so my earlier comment about no remote learning before the twenty fourth—that Rhonda has confirmed that is just for the LEAs. That does not apply to charter schools. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, twenty fourth of ben,
3: what?
0: August or, August, or July?
2: August. August.
0: Yeah, it's okay. All the charter schools are going to start on July tenth. They said so.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and then Ben uh, with TMSA is has asked a good question that I know is on a lot of people's mind about the PPP money. Um, So he says we need to turn it back by May 7th if we do not feel comfortable in terms of the assurances that go along with accepting that money. Um, Eight week period for forgiveness determination will end mid-June for us and we do not know Uh, about the 5% reduction. And so he would just love some guidance, what you all are doing, um, you know, about deciding whether to keep the money. I understand you can reject the money, keep the money, keep part of the money. You know, if anybody wants to share kind of their thinking on that, that would probably be helpful. I know Mary Jo, uh, she says she's waiting to hear where she, what she's uh, getting with the PPP. Uh, So feel free to chime in if you have um, experience with that. Katie, Katie, this
9: is Lisa. I was just going to chime in on, um, so what I would say to anyone who is considering taking PPP money is that you need to talk to your school's attorney and your board. And uh, I was just on a webinar right before we got on here today, um, and uh, put on by Holland and Knight, which is a very large law firm, um, talking about PPP monies and the fallout um, that is expected with respect to PPP monies. And it was made very clear, um, and I will send uh, Rhonda the PowerPoint from that, that one of the defenses you will have if you're gonna take this money is that you have properly um, uh, planned and that you are taking this money making a good faith certification. Part of that is going to be seeking advice of professionals to advise you, because this is an ever-changing rule. Um, they are ever-changing rules, and um, I know there's been some confusion. There will continue to be some confusion. Um, this morning, one of the things I thought was very interesting that they said at, at Holland and Knight, which was the rules are being written while the loans are being approved, and you will still be required to comply with whatever those rules are when they are finally published. So please be sure um, that you talk to an attorney, you document that conversation, and that will give you an advice of counsel defense if anyone comes knocking on your door. Uh, Folks should keep in mind that under the CARES Act and the PPP program, there um, is actually a whole special team of inspector generals, and, uh, and um, investigators who are making this a priority one to ensure that monies that are being spent under this program are in fact being spent properly and that the people who took the monies took them in line with what that certification was meant to, uh, is meant to be. And, um, and so I cannot say it enough, you need to cover yourself and you need to get professional advice and it, there is no one size fit all on this. It is really dependent on your particular situation. So, um, uh, and and one last thing on the PR side, the uh, Small Business Administration will be publishing a list of all entities that have taken monies under the PPP loan and um, the amounts they've taken. um, And and so that is a PR issue potentially that you also should be aware of. They expect to be publishing that in the next week or so and we'll be updating it um, as new people are approved um, and funds distributed and on that note and then i will shut up um be aware that i have heard of schools being told by their bankers to take money the full amount and then just repay it two things to think about what the feds are going to look at is the full amount that you took and Um, your banker is not on the hook. You are. And then lastly, the banker wants you to take that money because they're getting paid on the front end for the amount that you took Not what you return. So it is in their best interest to loan as much money as possible. So again, be very careful, get good advice and be prepared for on the PR side.
1: Speaking of PR, uh, I just want to add that I know that some of you are concerned about media fallout that you might deal with if you do uh, take the loan and I have considered that and I'll be sharing with you some uh, FAQs for you to um, digest and use if you do have interactions with the media. That will be in my email today.
0: Hey, you know, um, one of the things that we had uh, shared, too, is we heard some schools, maybe it was a district schools are talking about that they're closing down school early in the calendar year. Lisa, I don't know if you had anything to share about that or anybody's received an update, but I've had a couple leaders reach out to me about, well, when can we stop school uh, this year? So has anybody received an update on that or any guidance on that? You should just, you know, follow your calendar, right?
6: Is that the plan for everybody here? It's what we're doing, Tom. That would be my advice.
9: That's my understanding. And certainly, um, I can just say anecdotally, um, my daughter's in a traditional public school, and they're going till the last day that's on their calendar. Um, so, you know, there hasn't been modifications um, and, uh, and discussion about closing early.
0: I want to make sure we get to hear from a couple of our experts, but because of uh, Mary Majors, like 8,000 people have emailed me touchless temperature verification devices. So I put one in the um, chat box from Carl Lloyd and Cynthia McQueen just sent me something. So thank you for shooting them this way. Um, I will find it. Yeah, I will you send just, it to you. Yeah, you, but don't send it to me. I I don't need to buy one. He's good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I put
1: a link in there too. Uh, one of our vendor partners, Detail, is offering a thermal body imaging temperature device. Uh, if anybody wants to know more about that, I can talk with you about it.
8: Tom, can I can I share a couple things? This is Kate Alice. Yes, ma'am. So we received a school safety grant. Uh, we were very fortunate to receive one due to the efforts, frankly, of Katie and. We had a couple of devices built into our grant, and we've been told that we have flexibility in how we use those funds. So, we're planning to switch over some of our school safety grant funds to um, these temperature devices that you're speaking about. Because, as of now, unless the legislature makes a change, which Rhonda may be up on this, the school safety fund, um, school safety grants are going to not carry over past June 30th. Uh, but we have more flexibility in how we spend. So that's just for anyone that um, is interested in using their school safety grant funding for these devices. And the last thing is, Mary mentioned about bringing children back. We're going to phase in children by family. So if we phase in children by family, then that helps the families and then it allows um, the rooms not to have as many children even though all of our educators are in the building it will allow us to move um, children into um, smaller groups and also be convenient for the families as we phase them back when we're allowed to do so.
0: I love it. All right. That's an outside-the-box idea. I love it, Kate House. Thank you for bringing it. She always brings it. All right. All right. Uh, I want to make sure we hear from, we've got the insurance people with us. And I know Acadia is probably here somewhere, so I just want to make sure they can at least tell you something they've learned in the last Mm -hmm. week that they think will help you. So go ahead, Hadley, I see you're there.
2: Hey, yeah, thank you. So
4: one thing we've been talking about this past week is cleaning the schools once it is time to go back, um, what the protocols will be for that. And we're attending a
2: webinar on Tuesday, Department of Labor put it out, and I'll share the link. it's not school specific, but I asked the instructor. He said
4: it'll be high level enough to kind of give the overview of best practices on cleaning workplaces.
0: Yeah, that's great. And uh, Rhonda, we had talked, or you know, you had shared with me that you're going to start hosting some separate webinars from you know vendors to really help you know school leaders too, right? That are a little bit more uh, personalized in their sense. So that's going to be another resource coming to you from the association. And uh, thank you, Hadley and the insurance people for all, all that you do. We've got a couple minutes here. So, Acadia, I, I don't see you on my screen, but I know you're here somewhere. Anything you want to add to everybody in you, you know, regards to, you know, either the grading, like how they you know, do that or the calendar or anything that you've heard them concerned about so far? Hey Tom, it's Amanda. Hey Amanda, how are you this week? Hi,
11: Um, well I can speak on the finance side of things. Um, This past week, I think since we last talked, uh, I've just been on information overload really, (laughs) trying to keep up with all the changes. Um, Touching on the PPP issue, the one thing we've been cautioning our clients is that our concern is if you still have revenue to spend, whether it be state or federal, Revenue, you really need to think about that before accepting any PPP loans if you still have money that you know is Covering your payroll and so forth because like lisa mentioned you're basically attesting that you need this money for payroll So that that's something that um needs to be looked at and we have been directing people to you know Discuss that closely with their their board and council before making any of those decisions except ppp loans um, that's all I have so far
0: all right And Hadley just dropped in the Department of Labor webinar link there. So if anybody wants to register themselves for it, it's a great idea to start learning.
7: Um,
2: Um, I have a a question. Uh, It's actually two questions and they're kind of related. I would love to hear... What people are doing, you know, so let's say we go back to, uh, you know, the governor lifts lifts the order and you can open your building again. I know we're not going back to -to face-to-face instruction, but what are folks doing about allowing teachers in their building? You know, Mary Majors has talked about how they're screening everybody who comes into their building, you know, so is that what everybody's going to do? And and then kind of the second follow-up question is, you know, what are you doing about those families that are like, I'm not going to be comfortable sending my child back to school till January, or, hey, I'm a staff member who's, um, who has an, a, a, com- a comprised um, a Im- immune system. You know, what are you doing about those kinds of things? I know that's a lot to dump out there.
3: We have a schedule where certain grade level teachers go on certain days. Okay. Um, Uh, Like the middle school, every Monday is reserved for middle school, every Tuesday is reserved for the early grade, you know, so there's not, it's limited to about five to six people at a time in the building. Okay, thank you, Mary.
0: And and also making sure they're taking those uh, precautions that are put out by the CDC. Uh, We had a school call us today that they... Um, someone has a spouse who has uh, tested positive and they were in the building last week. So they immediately called the health department and got all the steps. So reach out to your health department if you haven't right now about what do you need to do if, if someone not, you know, directly in your school has it, but a spouse has it and or they've been within contact. These are the things you need to start working. And there's some really good guidelines, but use your, use your local resource to be able um, to cover that. Rhonda's got some stuff here in the corner. So uh, Lisa oh, so said there's also Tom. rules. Oh, oh, I sorry. want to make sure. Uh, Lisa Gordon says there's rules and laws to protect your employees. So consult with counsel, about individual staff, right? So you don't want to tell everybody like, hey, such an, Tom has it. Everybody stay away from him, right? You'll be violating lots of laws, right? So just be conscious and be, so you can be responsive um, to that situation if it occurs and hopefully it won't. And someone was just going to share. So go ahead, where they were.
10: Well, I, I was going to follow up with what you were saying about what Katie was saying about handling the employees and all of those issues. They are really real, real situations. And we're doing a good job, I think, of asking the right questions so that we are proactive. We're preventing that and we're able to do it because we're much smaller than most of your districts. But what I am finding now, we're already going through our lottery and registering kids for next year and I'm real concerned because we've got some you know we always have those that don't have immunizations or now we've got some that have some real severe health issues and I don't know how that's going to impact or or what I probably need to talk to you offline John I mean uh, Tom to give me some wording so that they don't get the impression that I don't want them at the charter school, because I do, I really want them there. But if it's not the best fit for their particular health needs, then I don't want them there. And I and also don't want to put our staff or our teachers in jeopardy with some of those things. Yep. It um. it's more serious now than I think it has ever been before. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even our staff, they don't want to take the flu shot.
0: Right.
10: I mean, and you can't demand they take it because if you, if you do, and then they got sick, I mean, I don't know, there's a whole lot of health issues now that I've really never had to really hit, you know, kind of turn my head a little bit. Oh, it's okay if you don't take it. But now it's like you're affecting a lot of other people.
0: So. Yep. Mary and everybody, this is why you all have legal counsel. There, it's, you don't need to think and worry about that stuff. You need to feed your legal counsel and, and, and heed their advice, whatever it is, right? Because the last thing you want, you're trying to protect your people, but there are laws. So uh, please, please do that. If you don't have a good one, I've heard Lisa Gordon-Stell is pretty darn good. Uh, so reach out right. to her. Uh, Cass wanted to give us an update from Acadia on grading. So go ahead, Cass
12: hey Tom hey everybody no um, yeah, yes, so um, oh, the baby is good the baby really? is good yeah she's she's growing and mobile so now I'm in trouble oh okay. it's just begun but, um, my friend all right well
0: congratulations <laughs> to you all
12: <laughs> thank you thank
0: you
12: so yeah um, as of last night I uh, just received some updated documentation um, I'm sure a lot of the school leaders have um, received this as well but just in case um, in terms of kind of adding on to what Rhonda had spoke about a couple weeks back in terms of the K-11 grading policy uh, that was approved, um, they've added some additional power school steps involved. Um, some of those um, involve your elementary, your K-5. through five. Um, They have approved a new grade of an NG-19, so an NG-not grade or no grade-19. Uh, that is the actual grade that will be utilized for any quote unquote final grades given to any K 5 students. Um, those NGs will be a special code in your grade scale so that the teachers have access to those grades and can actually key that grade into their PowerSchool Pro gradebook. Um, once those grades are in the K 5 gradebooks, then it's business as usual from there in terms of storing um, and then the optional comment space as well. middle school um, is sort of the same thing that, that we you know we saw coming which is the PC 19 and WC 19 grades uh, PC indicating pass of course and WC indicating withdrawal um, so those again the final grade will be a PC 19 or WC 19 on those um, and that was grade 6 through eight uh, getting into grades 9 through 11 um, there was a little bit of a um, clarification here. Um, in the year-long courses piece um, so the year-long courses for grades 9 through 11 um, these will be split into two credits so the first credit or the first piece of the credit I should say because it will be a half credit um, will be the semester one grade Um, and that grade will have GPA at a possibility of half credit And and from what I'm reading, even if the student um, did not increase that semester one grade through remote learning and it remained a failing grade, that grade would still be stored as a half credit into the child's record to be displayed on the transcript. Now, the second half, so the semester two grade of that year long class, uh, the students would then get the option to either elect for the PC 19, WC 19. Which would have no GPA value,
3: or accept the actual
12: numeric grade that was earned uh, up to March thirteenth, or as improved from remote learning. It, so it cast. Clarifications or, in
0: there. It cast. Yes. Make sure, and it, it could be that you're turning your head, but make sure you stay like right above your microphone um, or, or your or your internet's uh, going in and out. So just, can you just go back through that one part again? Cause I see everybody leaning in, trying to hear you. So either that or make sure we can get some sort of follow up in uh, writing, but hit those last two points again.
12: Sure. Sure. Is this
0: any clear? Yes. Much better. Better.
12: Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Um, So, so just kind of from the top, Tom, is that where we'd like to go or, or was there a piece where I really cut out? I apologize about that.
0: There's some questions in the side. So if you didn't hear Cass on something, go ahead and put your question, but you just keep going, buddy, and we'll just come back to
12: you. Okay, good deal. So so that I kind of wrapped up there at 9 through 11 in terms of of that grading. Let me kind of pop into the chat real quick and see what we've got going on here. Um, And Katie, if you've already isolated some of these, feel free to let me know.
2: Yeah, so uh, we had Erica who wanted to know if they, if middle schools have to implement the WC grading or can they just give feedback to parents at the end of quarter four?
12: So, so from what we're understanding is, is, is the, it's the actual final grade. So I know that in some cases in our grades six through eight, we have sort of a standards-based grading implementation in place um, whereby there never really is a final grade given. There's only a grade up to mastery on that particular standard um, in which case there would not be a stored final grade therefore a comment um, would suffice
2: okay and then there was a question how are schools handling work for quarter four for grades nine through eleven so this might be for school leaders uh, but Cass what have you heard schools doing
12: so in in quarter four um, we have schools that are doing uh, a variety of different things. One of which I've seen um, keeping it as simple as giving assignments. Um, and then within the gradebook, in order to continue to track that quarter four work through remote learning, instead of actually assessing with a numerical value, they're using the informational tools that are available in the gradebook. Um, some of those tools are. Um, collected is a popular one. So it's a green check mark. Uh, That way they're able to communicate with the parent and the student that they have received the work and or, you know, assessed it. So just using a collected. Um, And then there's a missing tool that's also available. Um, It puts sort of a uh, yellow circle with a white M in there. Um, A lot of teachers are utilizing that. Um, And then you also have an exempt tool. So again, just using some of the informational pieces in order to continue to add assignments to the gradebook. Um, And then we've also seen some schools in terms of quarter four keeping it very straightforward and using a a pass fail, just a PF um, and or just comment space for quarter four. Um, So really just a variety of different things. The biggest thing that we're seeing is trying not to in any way, shape or form um, produce any negative values in that field, especially for students where we know that the capacity to to get onto remote learning and to be taught through these means that we're dealing with currently um, is less than accessible.
2: Okay, uh, so two more questions uh, for you, Cass. One is, I um, is, is there gonna be guidance or more guidance given about standard-based schools? And if so, when can you know we expect those to be out?
12: So to be honest, standards-based typically always kind of falls to the wayside sometimes, unfortunately, when we're talking about policies coming from DPI. Um, so it's kind of that gray area where we have that mile and we can kind of, of use our you know, adventurous nature to kind of assess the way we need to and the way we deem appropriate for those standards. Um, so I don't foresee any standards-based guidelines coming out. Um, from what I see, it's going to really just be all about that final grade. Um, so for those schools that are actually averaging grades and building an overall grade for the course, and building a final grade, that's where we're seeing the policies in place, um, at least from what I have seen in my documentation.
2: Okay, yeah, perfect. And then Rhonda put in an update for students in grade 911. The, the students have a choice for how each final course grade will appear on the transcript for both year-long and semester courses currently in project um, progress. I know that's a conversation in my home with my high schooler, so thank you for adding that, Rhonda. And then Mary Majors had the question uh, for you, Cass. Are the elementary comments to be placed in PowerSchool for each subject area, or just one place to write the comments that were outlined in the grading information from the
12: state? So I think that's an LEA decision. Um, and at the end of the day, um, whatever you deem appropriate, um, I know for some of our schools that have co-teaching going on, um, putting the, all of those comments into one space might be a little bit cumbersome for your teachers, um, so so either approach is is relevant um, and can be done in power school.
2: Okay.
12: And Rhonda, um, yeah, that is absolutely correct. The students do have the option there, and I apologize if I was cutting out when I got to that 9 through 11 piece, but yes, students do have have that and uh, it's uh, on the school teacher to advise with the student on how they want to uh, move forward with that for each class
2: okay so one more question so um, so the state wanted the ability for students to improve their grade during this time through remote learning so how can they do that if there's no numerical grades given right now for high school and the school leaders getting a lot of pushback about this issue so would really love some advice on how to uh,
12: to manage this so this one I would probably defer if there's any school leaders that are having any success in this um, because I do know that um, without a doubt they have stated that students should have the ability to improve their grade during remote learning Um, so I do know that that is a fact but as far as the means that we're seeing taking place if one of the school leaders has any success in that they may want to sort of take over here
2: Perfect, thank you, Cass. Yeah, I'd love to hear if you wanna put it in the chat or jump on the line. Okay, looks like we're ready to move on, Dr. Miller.
0: All right, well, <clears throat> if there's no other questions, um, I wanna make sure that, uh, is it, oh, Rhonda, do you know his area governor's a press conference tomorrow? He usually does like a Friday afternoon.
1: Is- Press conference, are usually at two o'clock, two o'clock but two o'clock. The, the one where he announced uh, school closure through the end of the year was actually at three o'clock, but typically they're at two
0: o'clock. Yeah. So Ron, do you have any parting words? I know you don't want the governor's of press conference to be your last words. <laughs>
1: Well, actually I have two things I wanted to share. One is an announcement on the annual summer conference that the association holds. Uh, We had planned it for this summer, July 19th through the 21st in Wilmington. And my board had our monthly meeting on Monday, and we took all of the factors into consideration. And the board made the wise decision to cancel this year's conference for obvious reasons. Of course, that um, you know it's upsetting and disappointing that that will occur. Um, but you know the virus is really in charge right now, and we need to make sure that we do. We our decisions are based in safety. So. Um, But at the same time, even though we have canceled the in-person conference, I can tell you that my creative juices are kicking in, and I'm looking for all kinds of ways that we can continue to Uh, serve our charter school community remotely and virtually and you'll see information coming from me that I hope you'll be excited about and that we'll uh, be able to get everybody together like this but um, hopefully some really valuable learning going on to help you plan for the new year and in regards to that the association's task force met for the first time this week and a number of concerns were gathered as well as the leaders' areas of expertise, and we're already going to work on creating solutions for these concerns that you have. Um, I've heard uh, the whole safety issue uh, as far as you know students and staff. Um, also um, rec- student recruitment student and staff engagement these are all issues that we're dealing with through the task force that will be pushing out solutions to you so um, just be looking for that
0: thanks Rhonda, and thanks to our friends at the insurance people and uh, katie and northstar and lisa gordon Stell, always to be with us you know saying to katie last night I was like, katie why are we so tired and it's because i did the math we're doing katie just us we're doing an additional 10 hours per week of webinars and trainings for you and your staff. We have an exceptional children's call on Wednesdays at three. We have a teacher call starting tomorrow at one. Uh, we have um, an effective uh, meetings we have a webinar at 3.30 today. We've got our mastermind. So listen, this is a time that you can sharpen your shawl, sharpen the saw and build the capacity of your team. So take take this opportunity uh, you know there 's a link in there for you guys to build build those teachers that are looking to be more and do more build your assistant principals you don 't have to be on every call they need to be able to learn how to get good information and be able to move action forward you can 't do this alone so with that in mind we 're going to start inviting some other external experts into this call folks that are leading virtual schools or blended schools uh, into our um, exceptional children 's call especially so if you want to learn something specifically which we've talked about budgeting and some other pieces uh, we'll start looking for those experts bringing them in here to get in front of you for you know 10 to 15 minutes to be able to tell you their model and then you can take that and design your school uh, for next year Right, it's going to be leaner and meaner and better and stronger and serving more kids if you keep it in your vision so keep it in your vision everybody uh, thanks everyone. I'm gonna unmute. We had like 77 on the call today. So let's let's uh, make it a hundred next week. Huh? Let's just do it. So see you next Thursday and take care. Unmute. So say bye. You, Tom. Really
7: appreciate it.
10: All right. Bye. All right. Bye. bye everybody.
3: Thank you. Bye everybody. Thank you. Bye. bye. Thank, you. bye. Thank you, Tom.